All right, man. So uh, I'm super excited to see what you thought about this album. Oh, you're just jumping right into it, huh? I mean, I don't know. We don't have anything else to talk about. I was about to ask That's you how you've been, but, you know, whatever. Well, I, don't, I mean, I don't really care to tell you, and I don't care to know how your day yeah, has yeah, been. Yeah, no shit. Well, I've been fine. I actually... Oh, oh uh, yeah, great. Now I care. <laughs> <laughs> You'll care now after I tell you that I am volunteering at the local San Marcos Animal Shelter. That's awesome. Yeah, I just did my volunteer orientation. They showed us around. They taught me how to do two things, and uh, now I'm, I'm now I'm in it. I'm in the shit, dude. That's awesome. So you're looking. Uh, you said you're volunteering. Yes, uh, and so there. It's just you know all the all the grub work, uh, like cleaning the kennels and washing the dishes and doing laundry, the eating the dirt, eating the dirt, classic grub stuff. Uh, Scooping up the poop with your bare hands because they don't want you to get the gear dirty, it, mm. like stuff like that. Trying not to get eaten by a, a small lion and his uh, groundhog and and warthog friends. Yes. It's a very diverse animal shelter. Yeah, well, that's fun. Most only have like dogs and cats, but this one it's like a zoo. Yeah, this one has warthogs and, and lions. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, that's that sounds awesome. That's uh, that's something that I've always wanted to do is like work at an animal shelter. You know, despite the the horrible things that you might have to do, which I doubt uh, you will have to do it as a volunteer. But I mean, like every like every kid wants to be a veterinarian until you realize that you have to put an animal down at some point in your career. Well, yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I'm I'm not really good with like gore and stuff. Sure, sure. Uh, says so there's that as well as my crippling uh fear. Of syringes and needles, Sir, which is syringes and needles. Syringes specifically are the worst. Uh, just due to, I don't know. When I was a kid, I did not like them, and I still don't like them. <laughs> and thank God you didn't pick up a, a heroin habit, or you know, that you weren't into. I, I, I cite that as the main reason I haven't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you know, I would love to try heroin if it wasn't for the needles. I mean, if only I could snort it or like put it on my tongue. Oh, dude, I'm pretty sure you can freebase it. What What is freebase? I think that's just like using a piece of aluminum foil and, and uh, lighting it on on fire through the foil, or maybe you're vaporizing at that point, which makes it way healthier. If you vaporize heroin, it'd be hard for me to tell you not to do it. <laughs> as we like to it, it, look we have a very hard pro all drug stance on this podcast yeah. me, and, me and Brett are making our way towards Oregon so we can just yeah. like really dive in head first and see how low people don't seem to understand that once we say when we're going like legalize it we don't just mean like weed we mean like everything yeah mostly yeah. um Heron, 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 um, uh, Seth. Yeah, the yeah, um, the the black tar variety mm-hmm. is what I seem to gravitate towards more. Yeah, sure. I mean, everyone has their preference. I uh, prefer the green goop type. The green goop. Oh, the of of heroin. The green goop heroin. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the green groups. Yeah. You call it the Ninja Turtle. Stream. 
the Ninja Turtle uh, <laughs> mix. Yeah. <laughs> they call those de- they call those vaporized Raphaels. Yeah. You you're like, dude, I know the secret of the ooze. <laughs> I just figured it out, man. And then you look at your arm uh, and you're like, ah, needles. Yeah, and then I run away and I jump out the window. And that's what makes you quit. Like usual. Yeah. Man, and I've been wanting to donate plasma. To the uh, animal shelter? A place. <laughs> yeah, to the animal shelter. That's nice. <laughs> They're trying to make a human over there, and so I'm, I'm trying to donate my parts. <laughs> that's nice of you. Uh, but yeah, I want to donate plasma just because it's like they give you like a hundred bucks every time you do it. Uh, but I just like you have to spend like 45 minutes like a, a an IV in your arm just like taking your blood and putting it back in and it's like oh yeah not it's not something i can handle is that how is that how plasma donation goes they they separate it from your blood right there with you and then and then they f- transfuse the blood back into you yeah it's actually it's a much more elaborate and involved process than just donating blood i had uh, no idea my roommate has been doing it uh, she had to go through like a two-hour screening, and wow. like a, a full physical, and you know like paperwork, and and then you get in this machine, and you just sit there for forty-five minutes while the things in your arm, as well as like a blood, as like a pressure thing, like a pressure band on your arm. Sure. And well, that makes your so veins pop it, up. Like we've said, you need to get a tattoo of a vein on your arm because. It, yeah. Because no one can find my veins. Yeah. <laughs> and it takes your blood, it filters out the plasma from the blood, and then it puts the blood back into your arm. Wow, uh, all which, that happens at once. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's it's a long process, but they give you some good money for it. Uh, for some reason, them putting the blood back in makes it worse for me. <laughs> You know, (laughs) yeah. So, I mean, you must have a problem with syringes, you know, there too, like needles there. So, like, how do you fucking deal with that? Yeah, I don't. (laughs) I just, I, I, I thought about it seriously for a while, and I have decided that I would probably rather die than do (laughs) than donate plasma. Yes. Well, good for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's all about so, you, isn't it, Brett? You know what? You're right, Lucas. It's it's, it's my album this week. My yep. friend's birthday. My very close friend's birthday was yesterday. Oh, is that why uh, you guys went to the city? Uh, yes, we, we checked out Waterloo and Uncommon Objects. Uh, and we got some money for our band CD sales, apparently. Our old yeah. band. <laughs> Mortales. It was September 12th was when we submitted uh, like 30 copies of Death Rattle Valley or whatever and over the two years we have sold 13 copies (laughs) celebrate good times (laughs) so we're big time now baby you gotta move back to Austin we got a tour you know, I still, in my heart of hearts, in the in the deep in the pit of my stomach and in the back of my head, truly, honestly, kind of expect for one of our albums to blow up in like 15 years. <laughs> Someone just finds it and they go, whoa, these guys were doing this shit back in 2020. 
when, you know, now, you know, Mortalis walked so fucking, you know, whoever can run 20 years from now. Lucas, do you have enough uh, lube over there for all this, for all this jerking off? Oh man, all this ego stroking I'm doing? Yeah. No, I am tapped. I'm bone dry. (laughs) You're just raw dogging (laughs) it. Yeah, dude, it's starting to hurt. I mean, I... I don't know. I'm I'm proud of our albums. I think I Death really Rattle am. Valley is one of the better things that I'm involved with. Yeah, man. Uh, me too. Definitely. And so I think it'd be cool. I've I I <laughs> I'm not expecting anything. No, I am. <laughs> yeah. Fully, well, for some you're, reason, you're doing the expecting for both of us. <laughs> I do have a big enough ego that I I feel like we were ahead of our time. <laughs> Which I feel like a lot then, of shitty bands say. <laughs> People are gonna. People are gonna find us. They're mortales. They're gonna come to this podcast and they're gonna hear you say that. And we're like, ew. Never mind. Yeah, I know. <laughs> These guys are jerks. I'm not helping myself or us by saying this. <laughs> You're not helping our publicity. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's you know I got to be true to myself. I got to speak my truth. Yeah. You know, I'm only. And, I'm just living yeah. my truth, Brett. And that's that's all we really can do, isn't it? It's just live in our truth, man, and and get dr- drowned by it and suffocate in it. <laughs> suffocate in our own truth. And speaking of living <laughs> in my truth, I lived in this album every single time I listened to it. So I want to get into it. Yes, baby, let's go. What's up, buddies? Welcome up? to the Ear Buds podcast where two very good friends talk about very good albums for a very good amount of time i as always am your one of two co-hosts uh brett bright light hanrahan uh join with me as always uh my partner my podcast partner arm in arm hand in hand finger interlaced with finger we got Lucas Social Hour in Jerkovs. <laughs> uh here's the thing, Lucas. Yeah. We've always we've always thought ourselves as the odd couple of podcasts. Since day one, baby. I don't think anyone can refute that. No. Um But the pod couple of oddcasts is something I've been hearing. Uh I don't I don't know about it if I'm being honest. I don't know. I feel like people are getting a little too crazy with our concepts. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I think uh I think people are taking this show a little too literally at this point. Yeah. You know, this is a parody yeah. show. We're making fun of music critics. <laughs> none of these none of these albums exist. None of these opinions exist. We literally look up reviews and write the opposite of them. Yeah. Um it's like we just take out all the nouns and uh, ex- explaining yeah. words. People are doing a lot of world building around this podcast, and it's starting to get a little... It's starting to leak into it's, my actual real world, where, like, Christina is starting to call me, Hey, uh, pod couple? I mean, Lucas? <laughs> and I'll just... Well, yeah, it's it's getting out of hand. I'd it's say. getting a little out of hand. I mean, yeah. There was a private but moment you know, that me and Christina had the other day that... She called me an odd cast. And Wow. Right to your face, yeah. huh? Um Wow. She couldn't even have the decency to say it behind your back. 
Anyway. So this week, yeah, this week, <clears throat> I uh, brought on this podcast from a band, uh, <laughs> loyal listeners of this podcast might uh, familiarize, it might recognize. It's the Bright Light Social Hour with their album Space is Still the Place. This might be the first uh, comeback artist, right? Like we haven't we haven't done two albums by any artist yet up until this point. No, I think you have like three thrice albums on your on your albums you want to listen to, but we haven't gotten to those yet. There's two Action Bronsons. There's like at least mm-hmm. one or two more King Gizzard records that we've put on the list. Like, but this For is sure. this is the first band to to make a comeback on this show. And we're doing it in sequential order. Um, what do you mean by that? Uh, we listened to the first album ah. like half a year ago or whatever. Yes. And now we're listening to their second album. And it's so different from the first. So, album. so different. Uh, but I think for the better. Man, you brought another fucking goodie to the table for this episode. Yes. Just to give you a I, sneak peek of what I thought of this record. I I thought you would enjoy this one, man. Dude, um, there's something... It's so funny because I've heard of this band for a long time. Like, you know, growing up near Austin, living in Austin yeah, right. for the last, you know, 10 years of my life or whatever. There was something... Like, this band was floating around all the time. And I was hearing their name all the time. But it reminded me, every time I heard... Bright Light Social Hour, and I know I saw I, I said this on the on the last episode we talked about uh, their first record, but uh, I always thought of Broken Social Scene, and <laughs> I you're just kind of getting mixed. I up. would always get them mixed up. So anytime I heard Bright Light Social Hour, my brain went Broken Social Scene, almost like anytime I want to say the word quinoa, I always say couscous. <laughs> I literally can't fucking help it. So every every time I heard this band's name, I, that's the my mind went to another band that I didn't like, or that I already knew I didn't enjoy. So I never checked yeah. them out. And when you suggested the their their other album for the you know I think it was episode like number five or something, it was early on. Yeah, uh, I was very concerned because I in my head <laughs> I thought these guys were going to sound completely different, and I loved that first record. And then this one, dude, like is like you said such I mean you said it's just very different from their first record but I also think it is a huge step up for sure I I mean it's not like this album is very it leans a lot more into the psychedelic stuff they were doing on the first album oh yeah for sure oh yeah uh they still they still got that blues stuff you know, yeah, they still have blue stuff. They still have some dancey stuff, especially like with the bass and the drums. For sure. But when you think about their first record, which was called, was it self-titled? It was a self-titled. When you think about that record versus this one, that first one, like you could tell they were trying to do a lot of different things on one record. Where this one feels a lot more, even though this one does like span a lot of different styles. On that first one, you could tell they were there was a lot more like soul and funk influence right like the rhubarb jam and you know like bare hands bare feet like there's there was a certain vibe on that record that i think um they elevated it a little bit on this record where they were going more for the psychedelic 70s thing but Mm -hmm. dude they mix in like it's so psychedelic but i love that so the concept of the record is supposed to be like afrofuturism 
and progressivism and all this kind of basically I, I you know I think what Afrofuturism means which I should probably look it up um, <laughs> but my idea of what that is is like almost like a, a future where Africa is the center of culture and like technology and all this stuff so it's a it's a cultural aesthetic and a philosophy that explores the developing intersection between like Africa with technology so it's talking about like a it's really, really cool. It's tr- really trippy. Like even going to the Wikipedia page, like I would check that out if I were you. Like it's, it's a, it's a cool concept and a cool, definitely very cool vibe and aesthetic. So what I dig about this album is that like when they, when I saw that it had something about Afrofuturism, which totally makes sense because they mix in like not just like psych and blues, but it's like soul music, but then also dance music and techno music and house music, mm-hmm. but then also yeah. like Afro-Latin, like Caribbean stuff with the drums and the bass. So it's a really eclectic mix, but it all like kind of boils down to like Southern rock and classic rock of the 70s. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty <laughs> accurate synopsis. It's it's really, I mean, I'm going to start playing it right now because I want to I want to listen to it while we're talking about this. Yeah. Well, it kind of starts with a little bit of a of a more uh, African drum beat right in the first song with the Yeah, and and Sweet Madeline the opening track was the first one that I had heard. I had heard this song like a year and a half ago and didn't even put it together. Bright Light Social on Broken Social Scene. It just came up on like a Discover Weekly playlist and I loved it and uh and it hit me like listening to this record again when you suggested it, i was like holy shit i've known this song for a long time and love this <laughs> song but yeah dude uh sweet madeline's a slow burn it's a really cool opener oh it's i mean i think it's the perfect song to open up with because it is a very slow burn it's about uh five and a half minutes yeah. a little more than five and a half minutes long and it's it just slowly rises the drums get more active as the song goes on more instruments come in the further it gets and the vocals get a little more active uh you know and then it, it kind of culminates to this breakdown uh kind of rises and then boom and then it, it, yeah. it you only kind of hear the drums and in, in distant instruments and then it explodes into a a almost kind of jazz like frenzy yeah dude when it opens up and the drums like finally kick in it goes like full like Jimi hendrix to me oh it's so good and something that i something i really would like to hear the story of this band between these two albums yeah i think it's a five-year span because i found a live video of them playing this song but it was a completely different style Oh, really? Like, it was a lot more blues. It it definitely would have fit a lot better on the first album. It didn't have this slow burn upbringing. It was active the whole time. It had a lot more uh, kind of riffs in it. Oh, man. I don't even think I would and like so, it as much. No, I definitely... I listened to it, and usually I like that stuff better, but this one... It, it, I mean, the album version is far better, and I wonder... What happened between that recording and this album to make them change the style so drastically? Maybe the band mixed it and produced it? I'm not sure. Uh, there's really not a ton of information on this record because this band isn't right. very big. Yeah. They're not that well known. I'd say they're a big Austin band. Yeah, big Austin band, right. I remember when their drummer followed us, followed our band on Instagram, and I fucking 
like you got really excited and then once you got excited i got excited because i didn't understand oh yeah <laughs> i love this drummer man he's, he's got some awesome. great parts on on both of these albums uh it pained me to see that i think they replaced him in 2019 oh no man yeah this guy's the shit dude yeah and uh the drum there's something uh, about the drums on this record like the drums and the bass guitar the way that they're recorded and and mixed and mastered and everything this album sounds mm -hmm. massive when those drums and bass kick in it sounds ethereal yeah it's it's like it seriously puts me in a really cool headspace listening to this record yeah i uh first off before we get too far off it i think regardless of who produced and mixed this album it has fantastic production amazing and fantastic mix top-notch dude like i couldn't get over how good the production was as i was listening to the record like it it seriously is almost dreamy despite how like loud and aggressive it can Mm -hmm. get or kind of like chaotic or even dancey the whole thing is just dreamy dude it is like i don't know what setting they were picturing in their head when they were writing this but like the california desert is like the perfect setting for me (laughs) i mean the uh the photo of the album uh with with it upside down you know and some like some humanoid looking body and it's it's a pretty good picture of what this album sounds like yeah for sure and one of the things i love the most about this album and something i maybe wish i heard in more psychedelic type stuff is from the first album honestly the bassist and the drummer don't seem to have changed too much Mm -hmm. it seems like more uh, change with the guitarists and the keys and so i love how active the drums are on this whole album and i love how uh bouncy and dancy the bass can be on these songs that you wouldn't think that kind of thing would work with but it does man the bassist is killer dude jack o'brien is an amazing bassist oh he's it i mean everyone in this band is fantastic yeah but yeah I can't believe it's yeah. it's really just a three piece. I can't I can't believe that. They're a three piece. Yeah, I mean, when, I thought they were a four piece. Well, it's it's saying right here on this record, Jack O'Brien, Curtis Roush or Roush, and Joseph Mirasol are the three guys that are in the liner notes for this record. Hmm. And but I'm saying like Jack O'Brien does bass, vocals, the Roland, and the tambourine. Curtis does guitar, <laughs> vocals, the mini Moog, the Roland, the Wurlitzer, and different effects. Then the drummer does a bunch of other stuff, too. <laughs> so it's three dudes doing a whole bunch of stuff on each one of these tracks. Man. and it's and crazy. Something like that you were saying, something that I wish I would see on, on, more, second, on more albums in general, because there's always just a slight, like, a little thing that always like tickles me anytime I notice it is those like seamless transitions from song to song. Mm, yep. There's something yeah. so there's something about that that I love, man. It's it's a very little thing that can make an album so much better. Yeah, and it almost makes it 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 I, maybe it tricks my brain into seeing the album as a lot more of a composition rather than a collection of songs. Right. When you hear that seamless transition, it, it takes out the, oh, this is a single feeling, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's something, I love that so much. Something so small like that. 
Yeah, like the the first three songs go into each other seamlessly. Oh, so uh, good. And three and totally different vibes, those three f- songs. Right, yeah. Like, Slipstream is it, almost like a Clapton song. <laughs> it's, it's a little more, uh, it's got a little swing to it. Yeah, it, it has some unfortunate Black Keys vibe, which, like, just the my instinct is to immediately hate anything that sounds like Black Keys blues. <laughs> it's been just so overdone at this point, you know? And even the Black Keys have, like, jumped their own shark that it's... I, I just immediately want to dislike it, but there's so much Pink Floyd... Mixed in with the, oh, with yeah, the Clapton sure. Black Keys type stuff that it's... I still love it. Like, fuck these guys for making me <laughs> like a Black Keys sounding song. I think, uh, yeah, you can super hear that Pink Floyd influence oh, throughout man. this entire record, but especially on, like, Aperture. Yeah. Ap- where the vocals are, like, very Pink Floyd-esque and uh, Ouroboros, I think, as well. Dude, you, you get to that second half of the record, it is 90% David Gilmore uh, and Pink Floyd. It's it's like, I mean, like you said, Aperture, Ouroboros, and The Moon just is a David Gilmore song. <laughs> like, have you heard the album On an Island by David Gilmore? What's it called? On an Island. Sorry, I know I'm on No. Uh, it is one of my favorite records of David Gilmore. Definitely my favorite David Gilmore record, but almost like my favorite Pink Floyd record because to me it's just an extension. Uh, it is such a vibe and Gilmore as you know like has such a distinct tone to his guitar yeah I hear that tone all over this record but on the moon specifically is where he sounds like David Gilmore when he's singing (laughs) and I can just hear what he's trying to do and I love it and I I wonder if it's a a reference to Dark Side of the Moon Uh, like Space is Still the Place uh, I mean, or the moon. You mean the the title of the, the moon. moon? Oh, I see. Like, yeah. I wonder if it was kind of like a bit of an homage, or like, you know. Man, I wonder. Um, I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't put I those surely, two together. I could not tell you from the lyrics, because <laughs> these these lyrics are very. Um, what's what's a good word for it? They're very. It's not something I can grasp onto. It's it's very over my head, I guess. You know, I was so you know, enthralled to for lack of a better word by the music. I didn't really listen to what he was saying. <laughs> and <laughs> I I read along with some of the lyrics and the lyrics are are pretty cool, albeit very definitely like fucking you know out there and and uh unintelligible not unintelligible but kind of don't seem like they're really talking about anything specific they're just kind of really spacey and trippy lyrics but the reviews seem to think differently like the people that review this album think that it's like talking about about a lot of current social socionomic you know uh so i don't know um i couldn't tell you yeah is socionomic a word (laughs) <laughs> it is now socionomic i don't think that's socioeconomic a socioeconomic thank you yeah. uh the lyrics are i think they're very colorful i think they sound cool they have a lot of 
kind of puns and plays on words and maybe not puns, but they they put a lot of the same sounding words together, like a uh, like, like an on, inner rhyme the, type of thing, or yeah, and or just that's cool. you're just saying like kind of what we were giving sheer mag shit for, where it's like all right, I want to write a song about being on a boat, so I'm gonna find a bunch of nautical terms. It is I. It is very much that same deal. Yeah, uh, and it might just be bias that I enjoy their version of it. <laughs> yeah, it might be, but honestly, they do it. But, they 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 pull it off, man. Yeah. And on this album, I'd say the lyrics are a lot less formative, a lot less important than the lyrics and vocals on Sheer Mag was. Yeah, where right. you where we were saying like her vocals, she is the the center point. She is the yeah. focus of attention. Yeah. So on this, it is clearly the music that's getting the attention. But I love the way the vocals. I'll you know even though I wasn't paying much attention to what he was saying, man, the vocals are so good. He is such a good vocalist, and the way that it's mixed into the music is very much like. You know, taking that cheesy phrase that the that you know the vocalist is his the vocals are his instrument. Man, <laughs> yeah. the way it's mixed yep. into this is it is just another instrument in the music and yeah, and it it works so well with this vibe. Like, so uh, well, I just finished listening uh, to the third song on the album, Dream Love. Dude, we we are like uh, right there with each other. I'm at the end of Dream Love right now. And the Amazing. the way his vocals, like the effects it has, that kind of make it more airy, and it it it, it almost surrounds you in a mist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This my last my way. Like it, uh, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of Tame Impala a little bit. The way they affected yeah, his voice, bit. you know, or Washed Out. Same similar vibe, just very reverbed, very dreamy vocals. Uh, but man, uh, that fucking Dream Love is an amazing synth song. Oh, and I, ugh, I love when the drums come in on that song. Oof! When it all you builds know, up like three and a half minutes in, and it's just yeah. the drums going off and the vocals and everything like, is crescendoing. Yeah, dude, the drums on this whole record are so splashy and punchy, and uh, like not compressed at all. Like they they're really letting like these symbols sound like symbols. Like you can hear like the wave, you know, cause they're utilizing that, that tail that all the symbols have to kind of add to the atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, it's even on the, the more bluesy stuff that again, that just, I just, you know, have an automatic like physical reaction to even then the drums are huge and shimmery and like, uh, yeah, like reverby, and and it sounds like they're in a hallway, you know. And it's there's something yeah. so, uh, it puts you in this like trance, because <laughs> there's <laughs> there's nothing troubly or pinny or tinny or anything about it. It is just these like juicy, lush symbols throughout the whole record. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's. I don't know, man. It blends so well with the with the bouncy bass and the watery, airy guitars and synths, the spacey synths of the record. Yeah. And it like the drums and the bass bring enough solid form to the weightless and shapeless 
forms of the guitars and the keys. Wow. And makes for this perfect, like, psychedelic rock record. Dude, perfectly said, man. There, there's something about the drums and the bass that are just so huge. Like, it seriously sounds like it would fill, like, a stadium. Like, these songs <laughs> sound like they are, re- like, reverberating off the walls of a stadium. And it's so cool to hear such a huge, massive sound come from three dudes. Oh, yeah. And man, like the drums do ground, the drums and the bass ground this whole thing because like you said, the vocals and the guitar are so airy and like soundscapey at times. Mm -hmm. And, and the drums and the bass are just, again, like bringing back the production, man, the production is just of those of everything, but specifically the drums and the bass are incredible. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what they did with this record I don't know what they like I guess they went to a different studio or something but I think the production on the first record was fantastic as well it was yeah but I feel like the theories of how they recorded it and mixed it were very different as well yeah it's uh, it, it sounds like a different band to me to be honest yeah honestly it does and i i looked it up and i don't think any of the members changed from the first album no i don't think so either which is crazy i thought at least one person would have came and one person would have left or something to to steer a new direction of the band but uh, as far as i could see it's the same dudes yeah it it's it's uh i feel like they were tapping into other influences like in this one and they and they felt inspired by this like the southern United States while they were touring around and seeing the desert and stuff like that like it's this is what they wrote you know so it's mm. it's cool combining the ideas of a desert uh, culture that has technology that's I like that's what I hear on this record in, in terms of like trying to visualize the whole thing is like this sounds like a, a like a western movie that has technology in it right like, yeah. like that has sci-fi level technology, like Star Trek shit, but cowboys, you know? <laughs> and uh, I love, I, there's a, there's like a movie that this is also like kind of inspired by, which is, has the same name called Space is the Place. It's a, well, it's a 1974, what they're calling an Afrofuturist science fiction movie. So like, I really okay, want to watch that so. movie now. And I, as I'm looking at it, I'm seeing other, uh, other influences of like Afrofuturism on bands from Austin, like Golden Dawn Orchestra. Yeah, right. Their vibe is Afrofuturism, and I'm not even realizing until looking at even the poster of this Sun Ra uh, Space is a Place movie, and he, it's it features Sun Ra and his orchestra, which is the name of this guy's, I think this the musician that's in it. Um, so anyway, that's very little research that I've done, but I'm just like making these connections and seeing like what a cool influence this Afrofuturism thing has. Um, but I mean, the, what's, what's kind of cool about this album too, is that apparently it's gotten like a ton of, uh, attention from like TV shows. Like there's, yeah, yeah. it's it's been on multiple TV shows, which I'm, I'm trying to think of what song they would use from this album on like Teen Wolf or, or Brooklyn Nine-Nine or whatever, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like what, what? What, when do y'all use a song like this in, that, in a show like that? My thought is probably the more bluesy stuff, like Ghost Dance and 
slipstream, you know, like mm. I, that's what I would think. Because uh, I've heard something that I think kind of sounds like uh, slipstream on on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Now that I think about it, you know, well, it might have been slipstream. It might have been slipstream because it's is anything that at the time would have wanted to play anything that sounded like. <laughs> with a lot of na na nas and yeah 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 yeah, and, yeah you know so like yeah vice principles an hbo show that i love is hilarious uh but man i uh i i want to get into these choice nugs man because i'm listening to these songs like going through this album while we're talking and there's so much i want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> well let's get into it man i uh it it's it was pretty easy for me to choose uh my nugs really it was hard for me man the only reason i got into this album was because i saw a live performance of sweet madeline mm. on youtube and their performance is so fantastic uh i'm going to try to find it real quick to recommend it cuz they play a couple other songs uh but yeah that that is my first nug is sweet madeline the first song off the album yeah um are you sending me the link right now what's happening <laughs> oh sorry <laughs> i was just looking on youtube it's on uh it's just like a youtube video it's bright light social hour live at kjhk KJHK. If you look up Bright Light Social Hour Live, it's the first thing. Uh, super fantastic performance. They do Sweet Madeline, uh, Infinite Cities, Aperture, and it looks like <laughs> the, the second song is a dash. Uh, maybe they were jamming or something. Who knows? Uh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Wow, this is not what I thought these guys looked like. Is it not? No. <laughs> it, Just big bearded hippie looking dudes? Not what I thought they were going to look like at all. uh but yeah just the the slow rise throughout the song the drums throughout the whole thing i love i always air drum uh when the music explodes and then he goes over to the toms you know it's man super fun part to play super good song uh, I love the jangly and, guitars. Like that's kind of what I mean about the Western vibe that I get from this record. Mm. Very jank, very like spaghetti Western sounding to me. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm very. I'm uh, I'm reading uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood right now, which is uh, Quentin Tarantino's book that he wrote mm-hmm. for the mo- or after the movie. And uh, there's a part in the story where the main character is like starring in a Western. And when I was I was listening to this record while I was reading yesterday. And what a perfect fucking... I mean, this book takes place in 1969 Hollywood and also has like a Western happening at the same time in it. And this is the perfect <laughs> album to listen to while I was reading that book, man. <laughs> and I mean, I would also say this would be one of the... Probably one of the top five albums like that if I ever did some, you know, some some less than moral drugs. <laughs> Uh, oh, it would probably yeah. it would be to this, uh, and like you know, it's good to smoke too as well. Dude, it is such a great weed record, such a great weed record. And Sweet Madeline, like like you know, to get back to your choice, Nug Man, like the slow burn is 
is my favorite part about it where the drums like they do the drums kind of bust out a little bit more like maybe a minute and a half into the song where he starts doing a little bit more maybe the same thing he was doing but a little louder but man when it busts out it is so fucking awesome yeah it gets and also, so psych and Jimi hendrix uh something that's emphasized a lot on this song is the harmonies mm. which are great throughout this album i think they have two main singers on this record it's hard to tell them apart i went to genius apparently like the verse and the chorus are sung by two different people i didn't know that what because they sound so similar they sound exactly the same <laughs> yeah i like i'm still not sure i believe it but i know from the first album that i think all the all the members can sing to a certain degree right uh but the way the harmonies sound on this song and all the other songs on the album are fantastic. And it's one of those, like, it seems like one of those perfect pairs of dudes uh, to, to sing together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Their, their, their vocals are, like, really complimentary of each other. I, I didn't know. I thought it was the same guy, too. <laughs> uh, especially there are some times where they kind of do uh, octave things, not just, like, harmonies, but they do kind of octave things throughout the record where they do a low the low octave and the and the higher octave at yeah. the same time and it's so cool and i just assumed it was the same guy doubled up it's probably the two of them no, it i mean <laughs> maybe maybe they were maybe they went to the same singing teacher <laughs> who knows <laughs> i'm surprised they're not brothers or something <laughs> uh, but man but... the uh the organ at the end of sweet madeline too like when the song busts oh. out you know, you know, I love me some organ. You love you some organ, man. And I hear a little bit of tambourine throughout the whole song, too. That's so right. You got, that's right. You got those two yes, things sir. going. That's, that's a that's an easy choice nug for my boy, Brett. Ugh, and the way it just all, the, the climax of the outro. Yeah. Where the instruments are going off and then the vocals come in and the organ gets louder and uh, till it's gone. Ugh. Super Love catchy, it, man. man. Love it. Do you hear um, me out? Do you also hear kind of like a '90s vibe to this song, like '90s R&B to to this record in general? Just on some of the songs, a '90s R&B like who? Well, we'll get into it in one of my choice snugs, but which I'll say right now. Uh, yeah, sea, sure, go for it. Sea of the Edge. Is one of my choices. That melody, the yeah, the mm-hmm. sounds so nineties to me. Almost yeah, yeah. I don't know something about it, and I think like weirdly enough, specifically nineties like Sting. <laughs> Well, I you you got me there. This song that's, that's a section of the '90s I have not. Oh, into. see, okay, yeah. This song specifically sounds like a a Sting song from 1995. A Sting operation, it, you would say. It, yeah, uh, almost maybe even possibly like Seal. It, it kind of reminds me of. It's there's something about the melody, and the adult contemporary esque sound of the guitar. Hmm. Like, it sounds like an adult contemporary song. But very, like, a little delay and very flangery. And it's just very, like, um, uh, like, it doesn't confront you at all. 
Like it doesn't challenge you. It's very easy on the ear. So yes. it it reminds me of Washed Out and Tame Impala. And to me, those guys are trying to bring back this like '90s kind of like adult contemporary sound and make it cool. And that's what this song sounds like to me. Yeah, but it's, it's cool too because about like a you know the first like minute and a half is totally different from the rest of the song, and then like a minute and a half in is when it really kind of busts open and becomes this like kind of Tame Impala song. Yeah, I'm listening to it now, and I love the I love the tone on the guitars. So it nice. almost seems like a kind of like very quick delay, as well as like a a big reverb, it like really dreamy and yeah. spacey, as is their intentions. I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. The guitars are like, yeah. There's definitely like a ping pong delay, like a very quick delay, and uh, and some sort of flanger chorus phaser thing going on there that just make it so dreamy and you can't help but bob your head to it man the drums just like oh yeah i would say of all the songs on this record this is probably the one with the strongest vibes yeah for sure Uh, like this is the one you can vibe out to and like you you know put on a speaker and you and your friends are just kind of like laying down and just yeah. like grooving. I can uh, all I'm picturing is like beautiful young people around a pool, and the footage is all scratchy and has all those fake film, <laughs> uh, you know, like weird right, lights, like a and, film grain, yeah, on film it. grain and everything. And it's that's all I'm picturing. Like this is the this was the song when it got to this one on the record that I wished I was driving around the desert. Oh, yeah, it's just so perfect. And it, it, Sounds like it could be a very nostalgic song. There, it's you know? it's it's a uh, melancholic or like melodramatic or something. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got some, like you said, major vibes, man. Major vibes. The on major song. vibes. Yeah. Um, that that's that's the first one that that sounded '90s to me on the record. I was just like, wow, this sounds like a Seal song, just like modernized. <laughs> What was uh what was another one of your choices? My second nug was Infinite Cities. Oh man, uh, me too. Track 8. Yeah. Me too. I mean, that's I would say this was probably their first single off the record if I had to guess. Yeah, it has like over 3 million plays. It's definitely the most played on the album. Yeah, it it kind of starts off with this drum beat uh Double double riding with both hands on the hi hat, which kind of gives it this accelerated pace immediately. Uh, the guitar is coming in. Dun, 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 dun. Man, that I uh, love that guitar line, man, and those those drums are super punchy, kick and snare. Yeah, super it's, punchy. It's immediately very dancey. Super and dancey. There, there really aren't many riffs on this record. But the guitar parts, if you listen to them, are very cool, and they can be iconic. You know, uh, especially the way that they play with the effects that they use. Yeah, the, they for sure. they do that really well on this record, and especially on Infinite Cities, he's using that delay. He's playing along with that delay, you know, and yeah. like manipulating he's that, utilizing it. It's like he had the delay before he had the part. One hundred percent. 
for sure. He heard that. Like he found a pedal and he's yes. like, I got to make a riff with this. <laughs> yeah, he heard that that one, <laughs> da, 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 that type of thing. And he's yeah. just like, oh, I can write it. I can write something bam, to bam, that. Bam, bam, bam. Uh, oh, man, and the I, bass I is love... killer on this, on this song too. Obviously. Obviously. So good. And I love that when the vocals come in, the drums take it back. They just kind of keep it on the kick. Yeah, and... yeah, they kind of dial it back a bit during the verses. Yeah, and then he goes as soon as he like sings out his first elongated note. Uh, they come back in, Stay. and the bass is there. Oh, and the harmonies oh, on that beautiful like, harmonies, Stay. dude. And that that little like the until we call it home thing. I can't even yeah, sing it. It's until like we come home. there you go. Yeah, I, it is. That is such an amazing line. It like makes me wince like every time i hear it i'm just like ooh, <laughs> like until I home. and then like and that's another one that is very 90s r&b to me uh, something about that line specifically and it just it just has that suit like again like i see you like you're bobbing your shoulders like you can't help but just like dance in place listening to this song and then it's so cool that it has those two different vibes the where the drums are going and then it opens up when he's going like until we come yeah home. and then yeah you have the synth that comes in that second time around they come back to that and then the drums start doing a uh, kind of a weird i don't know if it's five four or something kind of a weird rhythm uh during those stay parts like in the second half of the song yeah it's definitely like I don't. I don't think it's an odd time, but I Is think he does do something that makes it feel like it's an odd time. Yeah, I, maybe it's the fills that he's doing right there, but it's just it definitely sounds like they're adding or taking away a beat, and I can't figure out which one it is, or if it's it might be neither. It's it's honestly, I think it, the the strangest part is on the kick. I was kind of like doing this. Like so that's the kick might is. be doing like triplets or something. Yeah. Uh, but without the the second thing in there, and the hi hat and the snare are saying the same, but it makes it feel a little off. Uh, and then yeah, you're right. A, They're playing a, four four. There's a moment, um, about two and a half minutes in or so, where they kind of take it down. It gets very breezy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guitar comes in after a while i wouldn't say it's a solo but it's definitely the guitarist time in the sun where he's kind of i don't know he's like telling a story yeah uh and then it all rises to the climax of everyone coming back in the vocals stay man till i'm coming home Ugh, there's really some. I love. There's it. something about that line until until we call it home. The way that he sings yeah. that is just. It's the certain note that he hits, or a certain you know co- combination of notes in that whole line that is just. That alone made me love the song. Mm-hmm. When it got to that part, I was like, oh, oh, like I don't even know how to emotionally react to that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Till we call it home. Man, yeah. Uh, but there's still... Oh, and then... Oh, go ahead, go Like, ahead. in the very the very last part of this song, it's like, stay, and there's a harmony. He's just going up. He's like, stay! stay. Yeah. 
he's like bringing it home man and, I, and then it and it gets reduced to that drum beat that that started the song it's like a it's a perfect loop i love it man yeah it's I an infinite that. song damn i didn't notice that yeah you could play it on repeat and you wouldn't notice that's interesting because Ouroboros, the song before that, is almost like the same concept, just the the yeah. term alone. You know, I, yeah, it's it. There's, I wish I could understand this album better because it seems like there are some themes and and there's a song called "Sea of the Edge" and on the first album there was called like yeah there was a sea something uh, right they were there was a sea something there was a sea I know. And so I wonder if there's like a continuity. Uh, there's Ouroboros. There's infinite cities. There's like the moon, which it, it all kind of like, I don't know, just cycles of, of things repeating. Infinite. Yeah, there definitely seems to be a, a theme Slipstream. that they no one's asked them about. Like we know the Afrofuturism <laughs> thing. We know that the spaces of plays was an influence and all that stuff. But there does seem to be like a, a larger concept. Yeah that yeah i wish i wish there was more information about out there because just just the like i said like just what it does to me the trick that it does to me in my brain when songs flow into each other makes me think that this this was all put together you know and yeah. this was definitely a record that i don't hear nearly often enough anymore that i could i want the whole record to be put into a movie mm or for 45 minutes and 33 seconds is just a movie that is all just these what 10 songs and that's the whole length yeah. of the movie and i want to see that I'd, it would be it would be a crazy movie yeah i mean it it seems like from it, the lyrics could be as deep as these guys did acid for the first time sure and like you know they're they're like oh to see yeah, they transcended know they transcended they unified with the universe or whatever yes. uh but and so i imagine the movie would be a lot like the wall very yeah weird like very interesting imagery very a lot of space stuff i'm, th I'm thinking like uh almost like daft punk's movie that they made yeah man i wish i wish there was more stuff like that me too you know it's uh i i feel like it's really only I was going to say, I feel like the closest thing that we've gotten to that in recent years, even though I know that uh, Sturgill actually put out an anime on Netflix for one of his uh, latest albums. Oh, man. But the the thing I, that I think we've actually gotten closer to it, other than that, is um, Denzel and Kenny doing all their videos for uh, for Unlocked. Yeah. And that's really just a collection of music videos. Like, King Gizzard does that, where they've released a music video for every every track on 3000 butterfly or butterfly 3000. Yeah. And I, it, there's like, uh, it's been like the wall would right. probably be the, the first one that did the quintessential that, uh, one. Daft Punk's discovery. I think, I think, that's, what it's I think that's what it was called. Yeah. Really cool. Very weird. Yeah. Very weird. Um, uh, I could see them doing a very cool Western inspired sci-fi 45 minute long kind of not even the narrative you know it's just it's just yeah. putting imagery to this music that i want to see so badly yeah it would be like it would be the opposite of like something like lemonade by beyonce which was like a visual album right 
where it was the music videos and she had poems in between the videos and it was uh, a concept album of this, you know, thing that Jay-Z did to her. But so, in, allegedly, an album like this, say allegedly. <laughs> an album, uh, a, a movie that would be based off this, much like Discovery, would probably be a lot less... Like, it wouldn't be very literal to the lyrics, I don't think. I think it'd be a lot more symbolic. Sure. It would have kind of an original narrative that's kind of separate from whatever this album is saying, Definitely. likely. Yeah, we're, we're picturing the exact same thing. Are we, get, are we about yeah. to make a short film? I think we gotta call up our boys at the Bright Light Studios. And I think we gotta get something together. I, I, uh, I wonder if, you know, I wonder if they put out a lot of stuff. I wonder if they put out. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to need a little bit of that. Well, now I'm wondering if, that. Uh, if they want us to work with them. Oh, yeah. I mean, we'll do it for free uh, in quotation marks. Yeah. Yeah. No, the contract will say free, but yeah, the, the finer... Free of money. The liner notes. Not free of Free payment. of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it looks like they put out um, two singles this year uh, on, a, on a release called Enter Weed Martyr. <laughs> so I'm going to check those out for sure. But there's a couple of very, very strong uh, honorable mentions on this record for me. I had a hard right. time picking my two choice nugs. One of, one of the songs that gave me the hardest time was Dream Love. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. It has another like seamless transition from Slipstream to Dream Love. It is the first kind of more synth-driven track on the record it has those arpeggios that we love it's another it's another song that starts off with that it kind of starts and ends the same way Mm -hmm. it starts with that digital like dun 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 and by the end of the song all the other music has faded out yeah then it does that really trippy yeah 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 i love it which could have been a reverse of what they were doing between Slipstream and Dream Love. Yeah, because that one, it went right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, oh, man. You're, I, I love how, like, kind of, you're finding these these connections here that I just didn't pick up on. <laughs> I, I didn't pick up on them until right now. Oh, wow. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> we're discovering. We're doing it live. Oh. We're doing it live. Uh, yeah, with this song, like, the vocals, again, like, were very kind of Tame Impala-ish, which I dig. But this was super dancey, almost disco-y, like, one of the songs on their last record, but in a in a more 80s way. More 80s dance, like... Yeah, a little more, like, straightforward, I guess. Yeah. And, like, you can imagine the, the drum part being played on, like, techno drums. Easily. And it, it just has that doom, 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 doom beat that whole time yeah. with the really nice hi-hats. And, like, man, right when it hits that, like, it busts out, like, two minutes in. Like, it takes two minutes for the song to start. Really. Yeah. And with that, I love that fill. It's just, like, so simple. It's like so simple, but it's it's exactly what that part needed. Man. Yeah, and then, man, like three minutes in, like once it busts out into the super eighties synth, like new wave dance song, almost like I just wish I was driving like a white Lamborghini 
Countach with like a pound of coke. <laughs> and just like wish I was just flying down the highway with just neon lights all flying around me while I'm just like it was like tweaking because like right around three minutes man the the guitar the synth the drums and the vocals are all like crescendoing to this like goosebumps inducing like climax yeah, yeah. it's so and, and fun. the whole time the vocals are there and uh you know just just it, it, boosting the song up even more dude yeah you have that night rider kind of 80s synth uh it's so fun to listen to weirdly enough man i said this on their last record and i'm i thought it again listening to this one especially on dream love which is again the weirdest connection that i've made to sturgill but sturgill simpson and these guys have some weird similarities and this song sounds like it could be on a sturgill record (laughs) <laughs> obviously with I haven't like, listened to nearly enough Sturgill dude, I'm telling you man when you about. get into Sturgill's like later stuff he's been really doing some really cool shit I mean even like Shooter Jennings had a whole 80's record that he was trying to bring back like this 80's kind of dance wave stuff that is very similar to Dream Love but I'll tell you the other song that was really hard for me not to pick as a choice snug was Aperture Aperture, yeah, that, uh, it's it's another one of the more energetic songs. Mm-hmm. The drums with that drum beat. The fucking and the bass kind of like boom, or whatever they're doing. <laughs> he almost made it sound like like an eighties uh, theme song to a show. Hey, we're just two guys that shouldn't live together. Uh, but man, the David Gilmore guitar tones on this whole song on Aperture, and the the vocals are very, uh, you know, like they would harmonize their vocals in Pink Floyd. Yep, it's this seems reminiscent of that. It, it, and the ones like, that David Gilmore a specific sang specifically. Song. Yes, yeah. uh, and there's a specific song I'm thinking of by Pink Floyd that I just can't it's on the edge of my tongue right now, but it's what these vocals remind me so much of. Maybe like comfortably numb, uh, you know, us versus them. Sure. Oh, or I us think and them. something like time. Possibly. Uh, well, it reminds me more of Gilmore's solo stuff. Uh, right. But man, it's cool because like the verses are really cool with the, with the, what the drums and the bass are doing to the verses a little more kind of like, even though the drums are going, it's a little kind of, it's energetic, but it's pulled back. But when the choruses quote unquote happen and man, the drums start hitting that, the ride yeah, and the, yeah. the bass is fuzzy and starts like really busting out. And then you have that simple guitar line. Like, uh, it opens up and it gets so huge and I put galactic on here and I didn't even put I didn't even like think about that in the, <laughs> in the context of space is the place and everything it's like they really got me man they they nailed the idea of this record they yeah really I mean it. the to call back to what you're saying near the beginning of us talking about this album like it's a very cohesive record with a very definitive theme that they absolutely nail on every single song nailed it Nailed it. And this one, just a, you know, just a small, another detail. The ending of the song 
maybe three minutes in, the song completely like slows down. Yeah, it it like switches up. They go half speed for the rest of the song, and it almost sounds like something about the guitar and the way he's singing. It almost sounds like the best Beatles song that they never wrote. <laughs> Like, a better Beatles song than the Beatles could write. Because he has such a Don Henley feel to his voice there. Yeah. It's like the second half has a bit more of a bluesy vibe to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, A similar vibe to, like, what Band of Horses does sometimes. Yes, yes. For sure. Also another... uh, I believe those are Austin locals as well. Right? Band of Horses, man, I want to say they're from Seattle. I could be wrong about that. I want to say Band of Horses are gonna, from Seattle. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna look that up to make sure. They but, are. They I mean, are. Yeah, yeah, totally. I totally see like the funeral. Yes. And uh, cigarettes and wedding bands. Hundred percent. And and the vocals are very similar, right? The vocal yeah, styles. Okay. Band of Horses is from Seattle. Yes, Washington. they're from Seattle. Uh, but I remember seeing them on. ACL headlines a couple times. It's like you you see so a band play in Austin, right. and you're like, oh, these guys must be local. I was like, well, they must be from Austin. Huh. It's Austin City Slayer. Limits. Oh, I, I never. How did I never hear these guys here? <laughs> and they're playing the Frank Irwin Center. Good for them. Yeah. But yeah, Aperture and uh, whew, and Dream Love and I mean, fuck it, man. Ouroboros, The Moon, Escape Velocity is an amazing outro or like ending song. And I'm really upset that that wasn't yeah. one of your choice snugs because I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, I, I liked Escape Velocity. I feel like at the end they could have put just a little bit more in there uh, to give it as climactic and end as their first record and that that ending of the first record was that the rhubarb jam i believe so yeah, yes i think it was and they do you know they they definitely they didn't half bake the ending of this uh record in this song That's it. they definitely have a lot of stuff going on the drummer's just going off the guitarist is is having the time of his life yeah. Uh, the bassist is going all over the place. Right off the bat, I'm loving the energy. The do 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 do. Like I can already hear where it's gonna go, and that weird, glitchy, like Game Boy, percussion stuff. Yeah, yeah. And you know what I'm noticing now is that there's a lot of songs on here that switch up halfway yeah, through. Yeah, man. And you know I love like, that. Like Sweet Madeline, uh, Aperture, Escape Velocity, uh, Dream Love. Like if you I want think, to think about, you know, where like Dream Love, the first two minutes is not the same song. Sea of the Edge, same thing. Like a minute and a half in is when it changes. You know. Yeah. It's a. It's it. it I I'm only just noticing how often that happens, but it it definitely did not. I don't think it's a thing that got old. Like them doing this switch up midway through the songs because it sounds so natural. It, it's it sounds very inspired. This whole record. Yeah. Uh God, man. I you know, I'm having a hard time thinking of what I'm going to rate this thing cuz it's it's really hard to find any faults with it. Well, I can go uh, first. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, set the stage, bud. Because there is only one fault that I can find on this record, and it's the very 
few handful of moments that sound like every other blues rock band for the last 15 years that has just been simply trying to recreate Black Keys' sound, which is just recreating a whole bunch of other old blues guitars, you know? So, but... Oh, but I'm saying... That's the only thing, I, and, and again, and that is such a personal bias that I have against that stuff, and that's literally the only thing I can fault on this record. And there's only, the only songs that it really bothered me, that I couldn't really get that into it, were Ghost Dance. It was it was Ghost Dance, really. That's it. Even Slip. That one starts with... Yeah, because it's not just the... It's also... The singing along with it, it sounds like every Jack Daniels maple, you know, uh, whiskey commercial that I've seen in the last 20 years. (laughs) Every Austin band is allowed at least one of those types of songs on every record. And it's just, it's the Dan Auerbach or whatever playbook. And I just, it got old real quick with me. Um, so that's the only thing I don't like. That's the only thing I don't like. And that happens maybe twice on the whole record. So, dude, this is like one of my... I've been hearing a lot of really good music lately. Uh, thankfully, I've been picking some good like random albums to just check out and have been really, really enjoying. And yeah. this is right up there with some of the best stuff I've been listening to in the last couple months. Uh, I was originally going to give this... Were you about to ask me something? No. Okay. I was originally going to give this an 8.0. And it happens a lot. Where once we talk about it for an hour, all of a sudden I think we kind of get each other hyped. Exactly, up. exactly. And listening to it while we're talking about it is is the most fun that I have uh, doing this podcast. You know, uh, so <laughs> I am gonna bump that up, my dude, to a nine point oh. All right, a whole point. This album, well. this album is just. It, it just it, it tickles every fancy that I have when I'm looking for a, a good psych rock record man and I I, I want I want to emphasize uh, to people out there that Lucas listened to 365 albums last mm-hmm. year one every single day and he only gave 12 albums a nine or above. Yeah. Uh, so that is that is no small feat, dude. I'm telling you, man. Uh, the first album surprised me, but I didn't like it as much as this one. I think I gave it a seven point something. Yeah, I think it was around the six and, and seven range. When, this album really surprised me. I didn't expect it, um, and it's it's it was one of the moments that I thought, how have I not heard this before? Like, how did this not get recommended to me years ago? The fact that I didn't see this on like best of 2015 lists, like all over the place, is just it's a crime against this band. Honestly, man, and it it seems like they're doing well enough for themselves. I think they're they're like producing a lot of other bands or they're hosting a lot of other bands or something. I don't know, uh, but they're always a big deal when they when when they're playing in Austin. Uh, but yeah, man, that's I've always been a huge fan of these guys i've always been trying to get people into them i will i am now a bright light social hour advocate especially after this album yeah baby. you have converted me and i 
I I think they released one or two EPs or albums in the last year or the last two or three years, and I'm I haven't listened to those yet, and I'm excited to because I'm wondering if they're gonna switch it up again. Yeah, they uh, they came out with a single in 2019 called Sun King, and it looks like they came out with uh, another couple of singles um, this year, 2022. So. I- yeah, so they're active. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious to see what they've done. Honestly, uh, random note too. I didn't know that they they use one of their songs "Harder Out Here," which I don't know what album that's off of. Uh, but they use it as the intro for the show "The Sneaky Pete" on Amazon Prime. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. What was the show Sneaky called? Pete. Sneaky Pete. Sneaky yeah, Pete. With uh, Giovanni <laughs> Ribisi, and it's supposed to be a good show. Huh. But they use one of their bluesy tracks for the intro hmm. yeah another random fact uh yeah well it's ah, god man like i i was originally thinking around the eight range as well until this last listen i had in earbuds uh in in my in the studio <laughs> Uh, and just God, man, the production on this thing is top notch. Incredible. The theme of the whole album, the vibe of it, it's so cohesive, and every song is different enough that you're that you can tell it's from the same album, but you won't get the songs mixed up. Oh, yeah, for right. sure. I would say, yeah, man, totally agree. There's such a cohesive. Like we were saying, you know, we've said so many times, like a cohesive sound throughout the whole record, but no song sounds like the other. Yeah. And God, like, I'm just, I'm just trying to like, (laughs) cause I'm sure there are a good amount of people out there who would give this album a 10. I think for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like I, like I said with the ultra mega. Okay. I'm like this, this album deserves to be someone's, 10 out of 10 yeah and I I I don't know man I I feel like if every listener we have listens to this album I feel like at least one of them will will really love this thing uh and so it's hard I'm trying to find like I I do wish just personally that there was a little more organ (laughs) and maybe a little more like distorted guitar in there mm, little more uh, rocking. but those are such such nitpicks that I feel bad even bringing it up uh, but I'm gonna give this thing like I'm thinking like a 9.6 or a 9.7 just cause like it's such a good listen it's 45 minutes long which is not something that you really feel while listening yeah it's not 45 minutes short <laughs> but it it just it's just such a solid listen all the way through. You feel like you got to listen to the full album. Uh and it's I don't know, man. There like it's really hard to think of anything wrong with it. Yeah, it's some of the easiest uh, 45 minutes uh I've had to listen to. <laughs> no doubt. So I I highly recommend this record. Uh and 
yeah just thank you all for listening to it to to me kind of spout out about it for for an hour so you gave it a 9.6 i'm saying a 9.6 or or a 9.65 uh depending on how strict uh everyone is on the grading scale uh well you know how (laughs) not strict i am so you can get away with anything (laughs) i'm saying 9.65 baby that's that's yeah man like uh, i i shot up from an eight to a nine over the course of an hour you know listening to this album just one more time all it took was one more time through for me to realize the the fucking dare i say genius of that went into the writing of this record i mean it's 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 fantastic, Dude, man. I, I, the only thing I wish is that more people knew about these. Yeah, guys. definitely. I hope we are helping spread the word. Uh, everyone listening, thank you for listening, uh, buddies. Like, please listen to this record. Recommend this record to anyone that you know that might like psychedelic rock or be into Pink Floyd, even or into the Eagles mm-hmm. or into Black Keys. Uh, I this really I feel like there's a lot to offer here uh I was playing this yesterday at some point while hanging out with Christina and even she kind of you know kind of perked up a couple times you know yeah it's a, it's a super accessible record yeah I definitely agree um well thanks for listening buds uh you know check us out on Instagram uh at ebpcast look at us up on YouTube on Apple Podcasts on Spotify or whatever you're listening to us on right now. You can find me on Instagram at Jean-Luc Guitard. You can find Brett at, on Instagram at Brett Hanrahan with like 16 V's or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of underscores I think are in there as well. A um, couple numbers, but I'm not talking And buddies, you know, you might have heard it on, our, on a previous episode, but we are going to try and put the word out even more. We are doing Friday live streams on Twitch now. Did you know about this, Brett? That's right. Uh, you know, I heard about it. I heard rumors of an Ears Buds podcast yeah, it, <laughs> on Twitch, but yeah. the it slowly, I tried to find the channel and said it, it was deactivated. Yeah, yeah. It was the Ears Buds podcast at first because uh, some of us have sausage fingers. Some of us have greasy well, Jimmy Deans for fingers. Those are better for playing drums anyway. Yeah, well, so. keep your greasy Jimmy Deans off the keyboard. <laughs> and but watch us on Twitch every Friday at 5 p.m. Central. We're gonna be going live on Twitch, and we're gonna be live listening, live streaming a listening party to uh, for a new record that comes out that day. We're gonna be playing it on our live stream. That's right. And we're gonna be talking about it, and we're gonna be breaking it down, and we're gonna have first live reactions. We're gonna talk to you guys in the chat. So join us on Fridays. Uh, I think it's gonna be really fun, and we're starting. Uh, you know, not. People are going to hear this in a few weeks from now, but we're starting this Friday, man, and I'm excited. Yeah, and it's we're we're just so excited to do this thing. We came up with the concept about a week ago, and we're just trying to like get it out the door as fast as possible. So that just means that the the more weeks go on, the more you're like the better it's going to get. Like we're going to get more designs for uh, the stream. It's going to look a lot cleaner as time goes on. We might actually figure out how to properly do the stream after yeah, a while. Yeah, we are, we're really duct taping this thing together for oh now. It's, it's like watching two monkeys punch a typewriter. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, <laughs> man, I'm so excited. I, I, I'm so excited to, like, 
mix to mix in some new records with the stuff that we're talking about, make it timely, you know, talk about something that literally is coming out that day. You know, we can't we can't yeah. do that with this podcast. So that's really fun. Getting first impressions, first reactions, talking on a song by song basis and then a general. And we're also going to be having short versions of the of the Twitch streams as podcast episodes, as little mini podcast episodes. Yes. So so even if you don't want to check out the stream, even if you can't stick for the entire stream, you can check out what we think of the album in general uh, on the podcast it, where you're, where you're going to find this episode. Yep. We'll be releasing uh, mini episodes. We haven't figured out what day, but it's probably going to be either one, you know, one or two days after the live stream. Um, as soon as, as, soon we, as can, we can, really. Uh, and they'll be called shorties. So look out for some shorties from Earbuds Podcast. Um, and Brett also had yeah, the great man. idea to take the live streams and edit them down to where we cut out all the music because we don't want to get sued on YouTube. But we're going to cut out all the parts where we listen to the music and keep in all the parts that we're talking and put those on our YouTube channel. So even if you can't catch the live stream, you're going to get this content one way or another, either in a mini episode or on our YouTube. Um, you just won't be able to hear the music if you're not on the live stream. So keep that in mind. Fridays, 5 p.m. Central. Come check us out. Earbuds podcast on Twitch. But yeah, man, we got they, there are a lot of cool albums coming out now. Really man. excited. Uh, I guess people thinking it's the end of the pandemic. We're starting to put out music again. Yep, and uh, we'll see how long that lasts. So, <laughs> <laughs> Brett, what would uh, what would you rate this episode, my man? You know what? I'd rate this episode a nine point seven five. Damn, my well, man. All right. Uh, I was gonna rate it a nine point six five. I don't know how I got that number yeah. in my head. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna say nine point six five. I don't think it went as well as you think it will. You think it went. All right. Well, I'll meet you halfway, and I'll I'll do nine point seven. I'm How's comfortable that? with that. I'm gonna bump up to a nine seven now, just because you did all that. Right. That's all okay. it really took. <laughs> it was it was really more about me. Yeah, a little understanding, a little you know patience from you would be nice every empathy. now and then. Yeah. Well, you know, as a treat, just because you've been such a good boy. Thank you so week. much. Uh, well, I wanted to also say what my pick is for the next episode that we're going to be talking. And what is that? I do not I know. Wanted, I've been wanting to check out more of this guy's stuff, so I checked out one of his records last year, and I really loved it. So we're going to listen to an album called Malibu by... Ooh, by Anderson you got Pack, it. baby. You got it. I've, I've been excited to listen yeah, to Yeah, me too, man. I've only heard a couple songs, and I really love everything about this guy so next episode we'll be talking everything malibu by anderson pack so check us out on the next episode and thanks again for listening buddies thank you all brett and three and two and one brett (laughs) this was good Lucas, this is a three and a two and a one.